Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. We want to welcome you to the worship service of the Homerville Church of Christ. We are continuing some thoughts from this morning, um, answering the question, how can I make it as a Christian? Glad you stopped by to join us. We hope you find the things done in accordance with the New Testament pattern. And if you have any questions or um, comments, we'd love to have your reply there in the chat box or on the Facebook page, and we'll get to your questions as we have opportunity try to give you the best Bible answer that we can. Thank you for stopping by, and we'll be with you in about eight minutes.
Good evening. It's time to start our work service. We're good to see you, Jesse, back tonight. Um, yeah, today is Dairy and Dave collection. If you would like to make a contribution, uh, uh, I think Brother Ryan's got the can of food. You'll see him if you'd like to make a donation for it. Um, need to register for the Yes Weekend and need to be registered by Wednesday night. Talk to me. Talk to us, Brother Andrew. I'm in this door. 22nd, uh, last Sunday of the month, will be the singing fellowship. Remember those that have been mentioned on our prayer list? Uh, Dr. Roundtree is back in the hospital. Madeline with a broke foot. Brian recovering from his surgery. Martha Melody. Remember them and hopefully things will go well with them. Metal to be taking some cancer treatment, so Martha's got to have some follow up on some tests. Birthdays and anniversaries. Uh, Brother Gene has a birthday on the 12th, Malika on the 12th, Miss Lorraine had an anniversary on the 14th, Miss Virginia, birthday on the 21st. The order of the service night, leading singing, will be uh, Mitchell, Lord Supper, Brother Andrew Mears, anyone needs to take. First prayer for the round, and I'll do closing prayer, and Brother Andrew will be speaking. And sermon titles, Can I Make It as a Christian? It's on the same paper that I had this morning. Sing the
pray that everything that we do here would all be done in keeping with your will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Before I let you see, we'll sing number 723. 723. <coughs> Singing over again to the wonderful words of life. Let me more to you, you wonderful words of life. Words of life and beauty.
And we understand that's not the way that works because the, the Lord came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come to seek and to save that which was found in great condition. He came when we were in need to help us to get where we need to be and where we can be through Him. On the other hand, as Christians, sometimes we get going with life. We obey the gospel. And we have our sins washed away. We come up out of that watery grave of baptism to arise and walk in newness of life. And we're so excited. And then as time goes on, we start noticing that that fire isn't burning quite as brightly as it once did. We were sitting around the fire last night. And if you know, if you sat around a fire very long, if you don't keep it, things kind of moved around a little bit and keep some oxygen going to it. You don't have a fat by yourself. Uh, <laughs> but if you don't have things that will help it to burn, I'll die. I remember when we would go on the uh, scout camp out, we'd go to the sleep and the fire, and it'd still be kind of smoldering there in the, in the little fire ring. That'd be cold, but nothing to worry about. You get us enough coals, and most of the time, there might be one or two coals, and if you were careful with those coals that were still there, you could revive the fire, but most of the time, you pretty much had to start from scratch. And you know how scout camping just go. If you've ever been on one, usually it's going to rain on us anyway, so y'all going to have that anyway. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> but sometimes, the zeal and the enthusiasm of our, that we have with our Christianity, with the fact that we've been saved, that we're part of God's family, sometimes it can do like those fires and die down. Sometimes the fire just shows out and we don't really worry about it. And people will, and you may have found yourself in a situation where you were close to that point. You may even be there tonight. I don't know. Well, we know people who have gone in that direction. Some of them have been able to be brought back and the enthusiasm and the zeal restored. And others of them, they, they just continue to kind of float on doing their own thing. So sometimes even as Christians, we wonder, can I make it as a Christian? Can I really do what God wants me to do in this life so that one day I can go home to heaven? Biblical answer to that question, that's why I tell people when I either they're in the living room or as I'm walking across the, the strip, the, that thing's going to be in the house, parking lot. Um, I tell them if they have a question, they can put it in the chat box on the podcast or they can put it on our Facebook page and we give them Bible answers. The Bible answer the question, can I make it as a Christian, simply is yes. You and I and anybody else in this world can make it as a Christian if we want to. But we've got to make that decision. And nobody can make that decision for us. No one can push you into heaven. And you're not accidentally going to get there. But if you want to go to heaven, if you want to live a Christian life, you can do it. And so as we think about this this evening, there's a few things I want us to consider. If you've got your outlines, you've got the main ideas there with some space, because I didn't have that all sorted out when I made the uh, outline for you. And if you don't, the points are going to be pretty simple and, and, and easy to notice as we go. But in the first place, if you want to be a Christian, and if you want to make it in this life as a Christian, 
You got to be faithful and loyal to God. You got to be faithful and loyal to God. Now, as we think about that, let's just look at those words for a second because sometimes we use words and we're not entirely sure what they mean, but they just sound good. And, uh, you know, sometimes in movies, people will use big words and they'll sound nice and you just thinking, and you probably know what those words mean. You say, that guy, you know, he doesn't have a clue. Well, what does it mean to be faithful? If you look it up, it means strict or thorough in performance of duty. A faithful worker, which I don't like it when they use the same word again, so I don't like that part, but that's the end of it. True to one's words, promises, and vows. So we can kind of boil that down to you're going to do what you said you were going to do. Now, we understand that faithfulness, we're not looking at perfection. It may not be done as well as we wanted to do it. It may not be done, well, we may mess it up and we may have to come back to it and redo it again. Brother Kate was one of our instructors at school, and frequently he would use this illustration of this, and he would say, I'm not a perfect husband, but I'm faithful. And those who are married, you understand, and really all of us understand, we're not looking at perfection, but we're looking at someone who's going to be dedicated to doing the best they can to do it the way it needs to be done, and to fulfill those vows that were made. In the session this evening, we're thinking about those promises or vows that were made to Christ. We'll come back to this passage again in just a little bit, but in Romans chapter 12, the first two verses, Paul talks about these initial co commitments, really. In Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, actually be in the last chapter before you, you know, start reading. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here he's writing to these Christians. These are folks who had already become Christians, so it wasn't a on the front side of things. He was reminding them, really, of the commitment they made when they became Christians. And he's kind of pleading with them, if you will, to, to follow through with that commitment that they made of giving themselves wholly to God. Now, if you've been doing the readings through, through the Bible, you're right about the time if you're, if, you're, if you're up with where we're at, you're reading about those sacrifices. Brother Ray, I know you have this. I'm going to ask you, how many of those people brought a dead animal when they came, when they came to bring their sacrifice? Nobody. So you see, when I would talk about this verse, I would talk about how they bring those dead animals. They didn't bring a dead animal. They led the lamb up there and they coated the birds with them. And they killed the mayor and then they offered. When we present ourselves to Christ, he says we're bringing a living sacrifice. We present our bodies a living sacrifice. Now, that, that's not going to forgive us of our sins to do that. But in this sacrifice that we're taking to the Lord, we're giving him everything that's us. And we have to die ourselves. When I, wanted to, when I decided to be a Christian, 
That means no longer do I get to do the things I want to do, the way and when and how I want to do them. I would say to the Lord, I want to do it your way. And Paul says to these Christians, you got to give yourself to the Lord. Now, he goes on into verse 2 and talks about that transformation of their mind. That renewing of their mind, not being conformed, not forming themselves around the ways of the world, but changing their mind, changing their way of thinking. And if we're going to be faithful, keeping those vows and, and commitments that we made, faithfully performing those duties that we said we would do, we've got to change our mind about the way we think. And we've got to be getting the Lord's way of thinking into our minds and making His ways our ways so that we can walk with Him in unison through this life. <coughs> so we can fellowship and in step with Him. You ever done a three-way grace with somebody who couldn't walk in cadence? Most likely fell on the ground. Well, the Lord says, I want you to walk with me. We don't, we don't do it well to start out with, for sure. We, you think back early on in the Christian life, you probably can think of some times where you felt like you were just stumbling and falling and staggering around. But little by little, as you take the word into your heart and you digest it in your mind and you consider it and you put it in practice, little by little, it gets a little bit easier to take that next step. That never get to the point where we just don't think about it. it, it it's a challenge because there's obstacles along the way and things that would, would separate us from the Lord. But if we hold on to Him and draw closer to Him each day, we can accomplish this task that we're trying to do in being faithful to the Lord. The word loyal has a very similar definition. Faithful to one sovereign government or state, a loyal subject. Faithful to somebody. Not only are we going to carry out these things, but there's a, a, an object of this faithfulness. We're focused on the Lord and what He wants us to do. And if you and I want to make it through this life as a Christian, we've got to determine early on. And if you haven't done it already, now it's a pretty good time to just make this determination. I want to be faithful, and I'm going to be loyal to God. Now, there may be uh, other folks who want my loyalty, and they want my faithfulness to them. But if they're in conflict with God, we can't be faithful to them and God at the same time. It doesn't work that way. So we've got to make that determination before those choices come into play. And it may be that in the process of making that choice, we may have to sever some connections so that we can join with the Lord. But if you want to be a Christian, if you want to make it through this life as a Christian, you and I both can do it, but we've got to determine to be faithful. Paul gives us a great example of this. You think about his life. Sometimes people don't want to give up their position, but think about what Paul gave up. He was one of the biggest hobnobbers there was in his day. He was up there at the top. But when he was confronted with the truth, now, he really wasn't walking with the Lord. He was actually fighting and, and, and really persecuting the Lord. Turned all the way back around if he went the right way. And as he went, he had to overcome a lot of difficulties along the way. He reached 2 Corinthians 11 and all the things that he endured. But then you come to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, and you'll read 
Tim Wright and Timothy says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love and fear. And it's not just for me. But he also explains how he got there. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Fought in this fight. All of those things show determination, show deliberate action, and follow through to complete the course. It requires energy. Our priority, Jesus said, we receive first the kingdom of God and be righteous, Matthew 6, 33. He says, all these things shall be added unto you. That is, really, in context, he talks about the necessities of life. God's going to provide those things for us, and really the means of He's going to provide us with treasure that can be stored in heaven. Go that route. But he says you got to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Paul tells us in Colossians 3, 1 and 2 that we've got to set our affections on things that are above. And so it involves our priorities, but it also involves our patience. On Sunday morning, we've been going through these studies, and, and really and truly, uh, this week gave me a lot of trouble. I don't know, I, I don't know, I hope it didn't come across that way, but at the same time, if it did, it just did, because it, it was giving me some trouble how to take Jacob and, and, and kind of sum him up one way or the other. But as I looked at it, he just had a lot of struggles, and so that's where we came, came to this morning. But as you think about him, and you think about all those other fellows we talked about, they all had struggles. But we hold them up because they were faithful through them. They trusted God through them. Even when they turned away from the Lord, they made their mistakes that they made. The faithful folks we've been looking at, we, we look at them and, and, and we're impressed by them because they didn't give up. And they trusted in God when the world based around them didn't seem to be. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 speaks to this. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thy might, thy heart. Lay not on thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy path. When you start learning about the Christian life and you start wanting to put these things into practice, usually there's some difficulties just right off on the front side. There's Christians, no one. It doesn't really matter how long you've been a Christian. There's obstacles along the way. And there are things that would try to get us to quit trusting the Lord. It's not going to work out the way you think it will. This is the easy way. This is the more effective way. Go this way. Lord says, trust me, it'll work out. And we find his way in the scriptures, and he helps us to see, here's what's good and right and the way I need to go. And he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's thirteen five. And so it involves our priorities. He's got to be the focus of our lives. But he says, if you endure these things that you face in this life, I'll be with you. So, we've got to keep in mind, though, there's some exceptions. Remember when Jesus in John chapter 6, he was, he was talking about the, how he was the bread from heaven? 
and that if you wanted to have life, they had to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, and, and people said, this is too hard. And a lot of the people, John tells us, they turned away from him, and he turned to the disciples, and they didn't let to him. They just said, Lord, to whom shall we go? And I asked the words of eternal life. Where can we go but to the Lord as we sometimes think? If you want to be a Christian, you can do it. But you've got to first make the determination to be faithful and loyal to God. In the next place, we've got to, be, we've got to determine to work diligently to bear fruit. We've got to work diligently to bear fruit. When you, when you start thinking about getting that job, I remember when I was in high school, I, uh, Daddy was owning me a 1989 Celebrity Station Wagon. That was my first vehicle that I got to ride around Richmond Hill in. Drove great. I enjoyed driving it. Wasn't really much to look at, but it worked out pretty good. I didn't have to buy it, so it all worked out. But I had to furnish the gas. He gave me a little bit of gas every week to get school back. But if I wanted to do other things, I'd pay the gas. I'd have insurance. And that told me I had that job of some sort. But cutting a little bit of grass in there wasn't going to quite make it. So I started hunting a job. And I finally wound up working for the Captain D's. They opened there in front of Walmart. Uh, there on 17, if you ever been in that area of Savannah, on, on 17 going in. Anyway. I worked there, and, and no, they expected me to do stuff. They, the, the district manager had this name, and I probably said it around some of y'all, but he said, if you got time to lean, you got time to clean. And I didn't like that. Because if we weren't cooking fish for somebody, I wanted to take a break. I wanted to stand there and lean on the counter until it's time to fix some fish for somebody. Then later on that night, I regret it there's a whole lot of stuff to wipe down when you got that much grease floating around back in the back. But but if you got time to lean, you got time to clean. What was he saying? We want you, if you're going to be on the clock, we want you working diligently. In this case, we weren't making fruit so much as cooking fish and cleaning stuff, but we want you doing things that are productive. Yeah, the Lord wants the same thing. And we were talking this morning in our Bible class, I think it's Bible class, we talked a lot this morning, I don't remember exactly when it was. But if if we get busy with our minds focused on God's Word, and we get busy with our body doing the Lord's work, there's not a whole lot of time to get involved in anything we shouldn't be doing. So we've got to work diligently to bear fruit. Jesus said in John 15 and verses 1 and 2, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. The Lord wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to be industrious in his service. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while I stayed, and that cometh when no man works, John 9 4. In order for us to be diligent or constant in our efforts to accomplish the, the work that's been set before us, we've got to know what it is we need to be doing to begin with, and then we've got to put forth the effort to accomplish it. The Christians very free. Um, comes in various, various ways. To begin with, you've got the fruit of the Spirit. Now, notice it says fruit of the Spirit, so technically that's not our fruit, but it is our fruit in that the seed is planted in the soil, 
and soil brings forth that plant that's planted uh, from that seed, that comes from that seed. And you remember in the parable of the sower, he says that the seed is the word of God, and so when God's word is planted in the good and honest heart or good soil, it brings forth much fruit. Well, what's the fruit of the Spirit? What's going to be produced in our lives or in, in, in our soil, if you will? It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And when you think about the fruit of the Spirit, don't think about, well, we got an apple, an orange, a banana, and, and different kinds of fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Think about a grape cluster. It's all from the same thing. You don't just get one or the other. It, it, it's all going to be there. The more we plant the Word, the more we cultivate the soil, and the more we put these things in practice. And we'll be able to enjoy this fruit that it can be produced in our lives through God's Word. Good works are also fruit that's produced by Christians. Mark, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, Jesus said, There's a lot of the world. Sitting that sit on a hill cannot be hidden, neither dim light a candle, and put it under a bushel, but, but on a candlestick, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light to shine before men, so may see your good works, and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. As you and I go about our day-to-day -day activities, there are opportunities that we have to do good. It may just simply be doing something that's right. It may be doing something that's helpful to other people. But whatever good work we're able to accomplish ought to be a direct reflection and is a direct reflection if our attitude is right. Now, sometimes in, in, in our family, uh, somebody will ask for something or ask us to do something. And, and you know, it's not one thing you really want to do. And so we'll be sitting there and say, well, I guess I'll do it. It is the right thing to do. And, you know, we, it's not that we just don't want to do it. It's just we don't really want to do it right then and there. But you do things sometimes because you got to, but sometimes you do things maybe so people say, like, hey, look at that fellow. He's doing a good thing. Or maybe it's, you know, kind of like Ananias and Sapphira. They, they uh, sold those, their, their, their goods, their land, and then they brought part of it so everybody could see the good thing that they were doing. And so we've got to be careful about our attitude of these good works, that, that it does indeed point everybody back to God, and not us. Another fruit that's produced is the, the fruit that's fruit produced by evangelism, which would be a good work, but it, it in and of itself produces more fruit. Jesus said, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and go with you all day, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Going and teaching other people. And when that seed again falls into that good, honest heart, that, that good soil, it'll produce much fruit. And in that one can go and teach another one, and another one, and another one. And then they can teach others. More souls can be brought to Christ. And so, can I make it as a Christian? You can. I can. We've got to determine to be faithful and loyal to God. We've got to work diligently to bear fruit. And in the next place, we've got to become a student of God's Word. We've got to become a student of God's Word. Now, early on in my lifetime as a um, 
of a suit. I was a sorry suit. I ain't done what it meant to be a suit. I thought a suit was someone enrolled in school. But that's not actually what a student is. It may be a poor student, but a student is one who is formally involved in learning. It's a, a, it's a, uh, it's a uh, deliberate decision to learn and to investigate and to, 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 to take that knowledge in and put it into application. It's not just someone who simply sits in the class. And so... I've got to become a student of God's Word and be actively engaged in learning. Paul told Timothy to do this. First, or 2 Timothy 2, and, excuse me, 1 Timothy 2, 15, study to show thyself a proof unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study or give diligence, the American Standard says. That is to, to devote your time and energy into Understanding what God has to say. Peter wrote to, to those who were, who were uh, in, in, in the dispersion or scattered. First uh, uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your heart, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That doesn't mean just because somebody wants to come up and ask a question about the Bible, you've got to have all those answers in your head to Say, oh, that means this. That's not a point. Fact, point really has to do with knowing what you believe and why you believe it and why you practice the things you do. And so, as Christians, these folks who are going to face persecution, they had to have an understanding of why they were Christians, why they were following Christ, and why they couldn't do certain things. And that would protect them, and it would also give an opportunity then to teach others. So that they can come in and be doing these things as well. And for us today as Christians, it's good for us to know answers. But we've got to know what we're doing and why we're doing it. And we've got to help those who are coming along behind us to understand, here's why we do this. Here's why we, we don't have a piano. Here's why we don't take up money every time we show up at the building. Here's why we don't do these things because of the scriptures. The, the Lord has told us through, through the, the Apostle Paul, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Notice he, he tells us where the melody is supposed to be made, in our heart. And when he tells us that, it eliminates any other option. Ephesians 5, verse 19. And so as we think about this, if we will, if we will do this, that Peter tells us, We'll be helping ourselves, but we won't be having this trouble of, well, that's my parents' faith. I'm, I, I, I'm spiritual, but I'm not, that's not my faith. Many times in these discussions, there's been books written about this, why younger folks are turning away from the church, and that's the church in a loose sense. Why young people are turning away from church? There's a disconnect between the older and the younger generations. And yes, they can answer these questions, but they, they, they don't understand the concept. They don't understand why, which, you know, little kids, you think by now they catch on the why. That's exactly me. That's his favorite question, why? But are we actually teaching why are we just answering the question so that we're done with the question? 
We've got to take time with those who are coming along, whether it be the children who are coming along behind us or those that we teach, so that they can understand why we do the things we do. And so as being students, it involves reading. Paul told Timothy to give attendance to reading, 1 Timothy 4 and 13. It involves reading, that is, doing those things that he said, 1 Timothy 4 and verse 16. And then seeing, uh, Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2, the psalmist talks about the, the, the blessed man, and then comparison to uh, one who's not blessed, said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the godly, nor standeth in the seat way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth fruit, his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And he goes on and talks about the ungodly, but notice that the one who, who meditates on the Lord's law day and night, he talks about it like that tree planted by the rivers of water. They don't, they don't walk for water. They don't walk for those nutrients that they need, but they flourish. We'll follow in that example spiritually, and we'll take God's word in, and we'll read, and we'll do it. But then we'll contemplate it throughout the day. How, what what really is He talking about? How does this apply to me? And that will be the continuous thought of our day. Then we'll be able to have a better understanding, and we'll be able to put these things into practice and use them to walk with Him and live the Christian life. And so I've got to determine, if I want to be a Christian, I've got to be determined to be faithful and loyal to God. I've got to be diligent in bearing fruit. I've got to become a student. And in the next place, I've got to not forget to pray. can't forget to pray. It's been said that you can judge someone's spiritual strength by the way they pray. Think about that. That makes you pretty good to how often are the prayers said? Are there prayers said? Are they only in times of emergency? Are they around the meals? Are there a thankful attitude about those blessings? Are there daily prayers offered to those in need? Are there prayers asked for or offered in, in asking for help with decision making and, and direction through this life? Are the prayers like conversations with a friend? Or are they like conversations with a stranger? There's lots you can tell about someone by the way that you pray. There's a lot that we as, as Christians need to think about as we pray. Because they'll tell us kind of where we are in things. How that fire is burning or if it's dying. First Thessalonians 5, 17, we're told to pray without ceasing. That, that doesn't mean you just pray all day, every day. Um... Someone once said it means to have a prayerful attitude, and I kind of know where you're going with that, but there's various times where it's kind of hard to have a prayerful attitude. You ever hit your thumb with a hammer? What he's saying is pray regularly. And be in a situation where you can pray wherever you are and do it. Now, it doesn't mean that you must say it's not just a one continuous prayer throughout the day where you don't do anything else. But pray regularly. And, and don't quit. 
And I've heard of congregations that have made provisions to have like a 4 o'clock in the morning service, which I'm thankful we don't have a need for that. But, but I've heard of provisions made for those who, who wouldn't be able to attend the regularly scheduled services so that they'd have an opportunity to worship. But I want you to consider some things with me about this. And first of all, what is worship? The word literally has the idea of to shift the hand to, like a dog licking its master's hand, a, a, a reverence toward a superior. In the example of this, we've got those of the first century who continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. And in Acts chapter 20, verses 6 and 7, we find that they gathered together on the first day of the week to partake of the Lord's Supper, to have Paul preach to them. And, and so we have the, the prescribed first day of the week there in that instance, but also in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, to gather together to give on the first day of the week. And so the first day of the week is in the, the, the day set aside by the Lord for us to gather and worship. And for us to fail to assemble with the Lord's people to worship is to, to fail to keep part of those commitments that we made to the Lord. Hebrews 10, 25, but he was rather, I understand he's rather the people who were turning away from Christianity. But I want you to consider what he says. He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I understand that, I think, to miss one service isn't exactly what he's talking about here. But I want you to think about people who you know who stopped attending services. People who seem to be kind of doing their own thing. And how did it start? Sorry for the missed person. And the missed another. And then another. Now, sometimes it's because there are things that have to be taken care of. Sometimes people are sick with a prolonged illness. I've heard of people in those situations that once those situations had, had resolved themselves, they've been so long and not going that they weren't used to going anymore. So, you've got to be careful about that. And, and in our decision making, when it comes time to decide, am I going to go to worship or am I going to do it? You can fill in the blanks. Ask yourself the question, where is your heart? Is your heart with the Lord and with his people and is something tearing you away from where you long to be? Or is it there's an activity here that you want to do and it's just, you know, the same time, so I'm just going to do what I want to do? I believe there's a difference in attitude. Where is your heart? Not only that, there's the, the, the matter of, of the authority of the, the leaders of the congregation Specifically, the elders. Hebrews 13 and verse 17, the Hebrews writer tells us, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not for grief, that, for that is unprofitable for you. God has set it in store that the elders are the overseers of the congregation. They set out the way we're going to accomplish the things we're trying to do. His work and us all getting to heaven. And so they're in the driver's seat, so to speak, for us. Now, they are under the authority of Christ in the New Testament. 
They don't get to make doctrine, but they get to rule in the areas of expedience. But here's how we're going to do what the Lord commanded us to do as a congregation here in Homerville. And unless it violates Scripture, here we're told that we're to do what they say and submit. And the word submit, as we've talked about it before, has the idea of doing it as though it was your own idea. That is, without grumbling or complaining, without saying, you know, that's not the way I do it. And so when the elders say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a gospel meeting. In fact, we've got that kind of lined up. I don't remember all the dates right now, so we'll talk about that later. It's coming up soon, though. The one in March is. September's a little late off there. But, but they say, we're going to have this gospel meeting. And it's going to do a few things. It's going to give us an opportunity to have kind of a booster shot, if you will, to God. Well, what am I saying about my thoughts about the way they're running the show here as far as leading us in this congregation? If I say, you know what, I know they got that plan, but I want to go over here and do this. I didn't get away with that kind of stuff at home. And Daddy said, we're going to do this. Andrew had to be there to do it. Otherwise, I wasn't being respectful. And so when the elders say we're going to have this gospel meeting, we need to be doing everything we can to make it the very best that it can be. And our heart ought to be in it, saying, I really want to be there. But this thing has torn me away. And it's, it's not something I can, it's not something I really have control of. Where's the heart? And where is our submission? Jesus again tells us, seek first the kingdom of God. And in Matthew 16, 24, what is the word again in the whole world? But you lose your soul. And there's one last thing on that, and I'll leave that alone for a little bit. But that's the providential aspect. We pray to the Lord sometimes, and maybe, and maybe you've been struggling with something. Now, I don't like talking about attendance because y'all are here. Y'all, I mean, usually we have the attendance discussion is for people who aren't here. But these are just things to think about so that we can be the Christians we want to be. And there may be a situation where we have to make some decisions in the future. But you've been praying about this situation. And you've been worrying about it, but you've been praying about it. And you want the Lord to help you to figure it out and do it the way he wants it done. Tuesday night of the gospel meeting, the preacher's preaching the exact same thing you've been praying about, but you know what? That's the night you decided to be elsewhere. The Lord was trying to help you out, or help me out. I mean, I kind of take for granted I've got to do here, so I don't get too much choice in that. But the Lord was trying to help us out, and we undercut what he was trying to do. Now, the preacher, that happens sometimes. Sometimes people ask a question or ask to preach a sermon. You get busy, you write, and you say, man, they want me to preach a sermon. You get it written, you get ready to preach it, and you know who don't show up that night? Don't want me to ask for it. But if you want to be a Christian, you want to make it. You don't want to just be someone that kind of floats right down the river like a dead fish. You want to be the Christian God wants you to be. Kind of be a and that's just. That's, that's like one of those things you wonder why, we, why even talk about it. But sometimes the decisions get made and, you know, this happens. But we need to be careful about those decisions because they can undermine what we're trying to do. Finally, 
got to get with it. Get with it. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Paul writes and encouraged the Corinthians, brethren, the Christian church to do the, what they said they would do in giving this contribution to help the poor saints to be. He said, But this I say, that he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according to his purposes in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or necessity, for God loves the children of Do you remember in the parables when people didn't use what God had given them, what he said about them? That the ones that have won't have it, the ones that don't will. Now, let's clean that up a little bit. God blesses all of us. But if we don't use what he's blessed us with in his service, why is he going to bless us with anything else in his service? Think about those of you who are over-employees. If you give your employees things to work with, like supplies and to do the jobs they need, if they don't use them up, do they get more supplies? No, because they haven't used what you got to gave them. The Lord blesses us so that we can Enjoy those things, yes, so that we can be a blessing to those who are around us. And if those blessings aren't flowing forward, why should he bless us any more than he's already blessed us? We haven't used what he blessed us to begin with in his presence. So there's a principle of sowing and reaping and giving cheerfully and liberally. Not just of our money, although that's part of it. And as we think about our contributions, Again, i got to go back to something we picked up at that menu day down in Lake City. And if you haven't made a plan to go, I'd encourage you to do it. But Brother Cliff Jr. made a really good point, and I hadn't really thought about it before. But if you show up on Sunday and you don't give anything, don't give the first penny, what have you said about what the Lord's been doing for you? You're saying he didn't give you anything, but he says give as God has prospered you. I don't want to make that accusation. But not only of our money, but of our time, of our talents, our energy, all of the things that we talked about in Romans 12, that is us. It belongs to the Lord, so we've got to give liberally, liberally of these things. In, uh, in our service to Him, and be sure that we're not robbing Him. One last thing from the parable, Matthew 25. You remember, you remember what he held the one count man accountable for? He didn't say, you did this and you failed miserably. He didn't do anything. Remember how he, how he gave out the talents to every man according to their ability? He knew what they could do. He gave them what they could handle. One time man said to me, you were a hard man. You reap where you don't sow. And I was afraid of my head and ground. He said, well, if you were afraid of me, you should have done a lot better than this. Now, he was a five-count man. That's the matter. God expects us to use what he blesses us with, and he holds us accountable for those things that we don't do. Not just because of where we mess up. Now, I'm not saying he's hard, but he, he just expects us to, to do something. To do his will. 
and he knows what we're capable of. And you remember in, in 1 John it says that, that the commandments of God aren't grievous. That is, you can do what God wants you to do. So that tells me that in answering our question tonight, can I make it as a Christian? The answer has to be yes. But here's some things that we got to do. we got to determine to be faithful and loyal to God. He did faithful and loyal to us, and we didn't deserve it. We've got to be diligent in bearing fruit. Otherwise, we'll be turned off. We do the same thing. We shouldn't expect him to do differently. But not only that, we've got to become a student of his word and begin to partake of it daily and, and, and regularly and, 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 and apply it to our lives. We've got to pray and worship and be liberal givers. And as we put all these things in place in our lives, we'll be prepared to make it through this life as a Christian. And we can encourage each other along the way. There may be times when we think, I just can't keep on going. But if we're coming together regularly, we'll be able to help one another through those times, over those obstacles, and one day we'll be able to go home to heaven together, be with the Lord forever. This evening, you not obey the gospel. That is, that through faith, it comes by hearing God's word, and you repent of your sins. You confess the name of Christ before men, and you've been baptized for your sins, and you wash away. If you've not done that, then you've not obeyed the gospel, and you're not a Christian. Because a Christian is a follower of Christ, and that's what he's prescribed as the plan of salvation. Or the way we have the forgiveness of our sins. But having done that, he then adds it to the church. And his body, the church and his body being the same thing, and we're in fellowship with him. Sometimes as Christians, though, we don't always do those things that he's commanded, and, and we might mess things up from time to time, but he's made a way for us to come back if we repent and ask for his forgiveness. And so this evening, as a child of God, if you, if you see there are things that aren't what they need to be in your life, or one who's never obeyed the gospel, we're pleading with you and the Lord's pleading with you to come. Do the things that are needed at the same thing. While Jesus whispers to
Thank you once again, Brother Andrew, for another fine lesson today. That was better than any Super Bowl game you could ever sit there and watch. Appreciate everyone coming tonight. I, I know a lot of people put a, a lot of, I don't know what you call it, but they got to think they got to be there, be there to watch that ball game and miss church to do it, but it's not worth it. They can record it and watch it later. I do appreciate everybody coming. Then the other announcement. Keith, we're always glad to have you with us and you come back and visit with us again. Any, anything else? Be sure to remember those that have been mentioned on our prayer list. Keep them in your prayers. Our brother Brian and um, Martha Chancy and um, Melody Adams and Dorothy Roundtree and Madeline and her broke ankle. Prayers to the week. Say nothing else, and we'll be dismissed with prayer. Our Heavenly Father, once again, we're just so thankful for the opportunity we've had to come out this evening and hear another portion of our word proclaimed to us. And Lord, we just thank you for this message Brother Andrew has brought to us today, this morning, and this evening. Lord, we just pray that you'll continue to be with him and bless him and give him long life in thy service. Lord, we pray for those that have been missing on our prayer list. We know you know the needs of each and every one. And we pray that you'll be with them and bless them. And if it is thy will, Lord, we pray that health can be restored to them. And Lord, we pray for all of those in the hospitals and nursing homes that are battling different ailments. Lord, we just pray your blessings upon all. And Lord, we just pray for our military people, especially those that are in harm's way. Just pray that you'll be with them and keep them safe, that they can accomplish their missions and be back with their families before long. And we pray for the missionaries those that are here in the broad, especially those that are in hard and difficult places. We just pray that you'll be them as they spread the gospel throughout this world. And, Lord, we pray for the leaders of our country that they can lead in a way, Lord, that we can be safe and, and uh, be able to worship thee freely throughout the rest of our times, Lord. And, Lord, we pray now as we leave and go our separate ways that you will see us safely home and back here at the next appointed time. Forgive us of our sins, and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.